welcome to Visit the Zoo with your host, author Frederick Fishman. Hello again to Visit the Zoo, the Visit the Zoo podcast, and my name is Frederick Fishman. This is episode number 007. Welcome again, like I said, to Visit the Zoo. It's great to have you with me. I'm an author, a creator of the 12-book ebook, print book, audiobook, and now DVD Visit the Zoo series, where we attempt to introduce you to the animal kingdom great facts about the animals, some interesting mystery sounds we'll play to see if you can guess what they are, and also maybe a a news report or two. And in this particular episode, I've got um, a really interesting ending that I'm anxious to play for you. So that will be coming up towards the end of the podcast. I've established for you a main website where you can go to see all things Visit the Zoo and get links to the eBooks and the print books and the audiobooks in the 12 book 120 animal series, as well as the DVD that I just released, which brings to life the Visit the Zoo series. And if you want to go to that site, go to zooanimals.info. Again, that's zooanimals.info. Okay, let's get going. All right, right at the top, let's start to talk a little bit about news. Usually I'll, I'll read three articles, but I'm just going to read one today because this one's going to take a, a little bit longer. Those of you in the United States during the summer and very early fall, we, we had some pretty powerful hurricanes come through here, through Texas, Florida, and then Caribbean and, it's, and hit Puerto Rico pretty hard. Right through the middle of Houston, Hurricane Harvey hit on August the 26th. And then on September the 10th, we had Irma go right up the spine of Florida. And its peak winds were 185 miles per hour, which is Cat 5, which is the strongest. And then on September the 20th, we had Hurricane Maria, which hit the Caribbean and Puerto Rico. And of course, you know that anytime a hurricane hits, people hunker down and people's pets are taken care of. But what happens to to the wild animals? Those that are out in the middle of the storm that are hit by hurricane winds and flooding. And this is a story, fairly recent, I think it was just published two days ago from when I'm recording this. It's written by Justin Noble, and let me just read a little bit at the beginning of this, and it says, As Hurricane Irma slammed into South Florida in September, Dan Clark, manager of a complex of four national wildlife refuges in Florida Keys, His eye was on the weather and his mind was on the multitude of plants and animals that inhabit the unique refuge system he oversees, which includes the well-known Key Deer National Wildlife Refuge. There are about 20 federally endangered species and many of them exist nowhere else on earth. He quotes by saying uh, the, the dang eye of the hurricane tore right through the middle of the habitat for many of our most at-risk species. One animal in particular of concern was the key deer, a charismatic small subspecies of the white-tailed deer. Key deer were nearly eradicated by poaching in the 1950s when the population dropped to 25. North America's smallest deer and animals rarely weigh over 95 pounds and stand three feet tall at the shoulder, and they live only in the Florida Keys. 
And this is, a, I'll drop down and avoid some of this other information here, but this is the key paragraph. It says, uh, thanks to a survey conducted after Hurricane Irma by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Texas A&M University released in mid-October, we know what happened. About 14 to 22 percent of the key deer population, which is estimated to be 1,000 deer, was killed by the storm. Deer were found crushed by debris and impaled by windblown objects. If you are in the eye of a hurricane and you are wildlife, it's like Dorothy's house. You are going to get thrown around. Irma's storm surge, that's the water being pushed up by the force of the winds, washed over much of the core habitat for the key deer. So it looks like they got hit pretty hard. After the storm, a fleet of fire trucks and police and refuge vehicles delivered about a dozen store-bought blue plastic pools, roughly the size of a small trampoline, to key locations in Sugarloaf Key and Big Pine and No Name Keys. The pools provided fresh water for other species, such as butterflies, dragonflies, endangered lower marsh rabbit as well. So basically, you know, what, what you've got here is a situation where the storm washes over this habitat area and there's not much you can do for the wild animals that are out there. It's too big of a space. And the article ends up by saying what will happen in the future is the big moral and ethical questions that folks will have to decide, not only for the key deer, but a whole bunch of island species. As islands become more and more threatened by cataclysmic events, we're going to have to make difficult decisions as a society on how we're going to deal with these species. Now we're going to play some animal sounds. I'm going to play three of them. I want you to try and guess what they are, and we'll, we'll get back to them. You'll, you'll get the answers. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Don't worry about that. So let's start with this first one here, and it's short, but it's loud. One more time. And again. You probably have, that's probably a familiar jungle sound that's been put in many a movie and television show. That That's for sure because it's so distinctive. All right, here is the second animal sound. I think you probably guessed what that is, but let me play it one more time. Okay, and now here is the third animal sound. And again. And one more time. What do you think? This is the part where we drop in a section or a chapter from my book and or my series of books. And this time we're going to play for you the chapter description for the meerkat. Must be one of the all-time favorites when you're talking about African animals. There have been t-shirts and television shows and they've even been in movies. They're really loved because of their cute antics and because of the way they stand and stare and they're on guard all the time for anything that swoops down from the sky. So let's hear a little bit about the meerkat. This time, let's walk over to the meerkat enclosure, everyone's favorite. These precious mammals have received a great deal of worldwide attention over the years because they are so cute. They are fun to watch as they watch us when we approach their open enclosure. They stand erect and proud 
and always vigilant. And from the look of their chubby tummies, meerkats, they like to eat as well. Meerkats are members of the mongoose family, but they behave and act much like the North American prairie dog. They live in Africa in the Kalahari Desert, in Botswana, and in the Namib Desert in Namibia. They burrow into the ground in colonies or clans with about 20 members. They live to be about six to seven years old in the wild or 12 to 14 years in captivity. Both males and females weigh about 1.6 pounds. They have wonderful binocular vision with good peripheral vision. They can see to the sides very well. Among colony members, there's a great deal of sharing of duties for either gathering food, raising young, or making improvements to their underground homes. Several individuals in the clan are designated as lookouts. Meerkat seem to be alert and on guard all the time, looking skyward for the dreaded bird of prey, eager to dive down on them and snatch them for a meal. Meerkats eat insects, eggs, rodents, and birds. They have a wide and varied diet. Approaching these meerkats, we see in their enclosure on a cool morning. You would think something horrible has happened to them as they lay flat on their back, seemingly unconscious. Were they dead? No, they were just laid out flat, sunning themselves, trying to get warm. It is this type of universal cuteness that makes them endearing all around the world. And that's a little bit about the meerkat in the books and also in the upcoming DVDs. I'm going to have a lot of stills and a lot of video footage. I spent a lot of time in the meerkat enclosure. All right, let's go back to those animal sounds again. Let's play it and let me see if you guessed which animals these are. Let's play the first one. And one more time. All right, that is the wild colobus monkey and it's classified as an old world monkey and it's native to Africa. It has a coat that's red or brown or olive or even stark black and, and white. They live in territorial groups of 9 to 80 individuals but it averages about 20 individuals. A single male is in that small clan or small group and numerous females and uh, also the little kitties too. The males are 10 to 15 kilograms and the females are 10 to 11 kilograms. They're about 80 centimeters high and their bodies are about 50 to 70 centimeters. They're active during the day, diurnal, and they're subdued at night where they sleep or rummage around. They primarily eat seeds and spend about 60 percent of their time taking it easy. They make loud calls that can echo throughout the forest and they're mainly calling to the rest of their clan or trying to attract a female. They love to socialize and move about during the day uh, when they are not. Okay, let's go to the next animal sound. And I bet all of you got this one. Yeah, that's the turkey. The turkey is native to North America. Its habitat is from Mexico all the way through to Canada. They're the largest bird in their range, or one of the largest. But they can be aggressive to humans and to pets. Their staple diet is, of course, the seeds that they can pick off the ground. They are the staple diet for humans as well throughout the Western Hemisphere. Of course, 
during Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's when a lot of turkeys uh, meet their demise. They were first domesticated by the indigenous Mexican people at 800 BC, and they were introduced to, to the North American Native Americans in 1100 AD. Probably not a week goes by that I don't see turkey on our dinner menu or lunch menu, so it, it really is a popular favorite here in the U.S. Here is the final one. One more time for this animal sound. This is a small bird with a large and powerful, beautiful song that has been written about in poetry, in short stories, and in novels for many a century. That's the nightingale. The nightingale is 5.9 to 6.5 inches in length. They sing mostly, well, they actually sing at night, of course, that's where they got their name, but they sing during the day as well. There's about 3.2 to 7 million pairs estimated in the world today. They're their voice is described as the most beautiful sound in nature. They have a range of whistles and trills and gurgles. When the nightingale sings at night, it's mainly to attract the females, but they're known for that loud whistling crescendo. This little bird has made a strong, strong impression throughout history. It is a beautiful bird to listen to, and at night it's startling because no other birds are singing, but there is the nightingale singing its heart out. We're going to do something a little bit different for the poem or quote that I usually give at this part of the of the podcast. I'm going to do something that I had to get some permission to play this audio clip, and this is an audio clip that comes from a group uh, at classic Ar- or theclassicarchives.com. What it is is some old-time radio, as you can hear, <laughs> and this is a radio broadcast from the 1940s. And it's a little bit about animal stories. So we'll give it a listen. And just tell me, you know, what you think. This is the way people got their drama when there was no internet and no television. Only movies and radio. You've all heard the old song about the animal fair. It seems that all the birds and the beasts were there. Well, in the first part of the month of August, 1926, the state of New Jersey had an animal fair all its own. It was on August 5th that the phone rang in police headquarters in Middleton, New Jersey. Police, Death Sergeant speaking. This is Oliver W. Holton, owner of the Twinbrook Zoo. Yeah. Look, there's a leopard loose from my zoo. Huh? A leopard? Yes, it's vicious. Escaped from a crate. You better warn everybody to look out for it because it's dangerous. Shoot to kill if you can't capture it. I'll offer a hundred dollars reward. Dead or alive. Yes, sir. Higgins, Mallory, Cassidy, there's a leopard loose someplace, we gotta get it. But Saturday, August 7th rolled around, and the spotted killer was still on the loose, roaming the Red Bank countryside. The reward went up to $500, and rifles were loaned by the National Guard to nearly 100 men. The hunt was on. But meanwhile, still in New Jersey, on August 9th, in Pompton Lake... Say, ain't that a dog howling? Yep, been handed for quite a spell now. Wonder what's the matter with it. Let's take a look outside, Joe. Sounds like it's pretty close. Okay. Say, there it is. That collie right over there. Hey, get away from there. Shut up. And uh, he ain't gonna get. He's staying right there. Well, I'll... Say, look. Running a little piece, then stop still. He wants us to follow him. Yep. 
Come on, let's get Sam and Cole. That dog might have found the leopard that's running loose. Come on, we'd better get a couple of guns just in case. A half a dozen citizens followed the frantic dog, following him to a mud hole where they stopped. See anything, Joe? Uh, nope, no anything, Ed. Well, that dog sees something. Hey. Hey, look, Ed. Look at the center of the mud hole. A cow. Yeah. Stuck in the mud with only her head is showing. Come on, get the others. We'll get her out of there. Poor critter. All right, come on, boys. Anxious to help, the collie jumped into the mud hole and promptly got stuck, right in the way of the cow's rescuers. First the dog had to be pulled out, and then the cow. Can you imagine that? But that isn't all about New Jersey's animal fair of August 1926. It was on August 11th that Leon Shoulder of Elizabeth, New Jersey, was taking his pet chimpanzee for a walk when... Now, now, take it easy. Take it easy. You'll... Hey! Hey! Oh, my gosh! He slipped out of the lease. Hey, somebody catch that chimp! Somebody catch him! Get after him down there! Get after him! Spurred on by yells and commotion, the chimp raced down the streets through alleys. Every once in a while, he eased the strain on his feet by swinging through trees and dropping to earth in front of frightened citizens. He bit three of his pursuers, and then... I'm glad you got here, boys. I think I've got that chimpanzee cornered in the cellar at 309 Center Street. Just give me a hand and we'll have him in no time. We'll take care of him, mister. Better let the police handle this. This is no job for you. What do you mean? It ain't a job for me. Say, I guess you don't know I'm the dog catcher around here. <laughs> the two officers and Mr. Hulk cornered the wandering chimpanzee in a cellar where Mr. Hulk tossed a dog-catching net over the slippering simian and the chase was over. One more chapter has been written in the August 1926 saga of the New Jersey galloping animals. But one more was to follow. In Orange, a little dog decided to chase a cat, but uh, forgot that the cat was smaller and a bit more agile. The cat slithered between 209 and 211 Main Street. The dog followed it, only to find that the space between the two buildings, although ample for Kitty, was just a little too small for himself, and he was soon held fast. A few moments later, the phone rang in an Orange police station. Yeah. Orange Police Station. Hey, there's a dog stuck between two buildings, 209 and 211 Main Street. You better get him out. Okay, I'll send somebody. Tooley! Yeah. Grath! Yeah. You two are the skinniest cops around here. Go down to 209 Main Street and get a dog out that's stuck between two... The two officers went, but the dog was stuck fast. The officers made funny little noises like a cat, tossed ropes, and did everything to get the dog out, but it was useless. The fire department was called, and the ladder lowered between the two buildings. The dog refused to climb the ladder, but was eventually rescued by slipping a hook pole under his collar. And that about ends New Jersey's animal fair. In the seven days between August 5th and 12th, New Jersey had a loping leopard, a quagmired cow, an over-enthusiastic collie, a chasing chimpanzee, and a wedged-in dog. Can you imagine that? Uh, no, I can't. Thank you very much for joining me today. We've come to the end of this episode of Visit the Zoo, and I hope you join me again next week where we'll do it all again. We'll talk about some new animal news, some more mystery animal sounds that you can guess at and see if you can get the answers to. And we'll also play another chapter from my 12-book Visit the Zoo series. Also play another either a poem or another soundbite or a quote. Let me see what I can come up with for next week. Please do join me. I hope you do. It's fun to get together with all of you. It really is. And don't also, uh, don't forget to uh, check out my website uh, with all things Visit the Zoo and that's at zooanimals.info That's zoo 
animals.info. And also, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate and review. It would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.